Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about our emotions, Dave. Oh, I, I, oh my God. Really? I, think- I mean, what is it with every female relationship I have? They want to talk about it. Can we just sit quietly around and watch a ball game without even talking to each other? No, I want to know how you feel. <laughs> I'm actually referring to using the emotions in persuasion, <laughs> not oh. necessarily yours. Please. I don't think I want to know. Whew. You let me <laughs> off the hook because, you know, I don't have any emotions. I am a robot. <laughs> My partner always says that. He says, you know, if I had emotions, they'd be hurt. <laughs> or I think he uses the word feelings, but you see where he's going with it. Yeah. And tell, tell Dan I'm going to use that and not pay him any royalties whatsoever. <laughs> He will give it right to you. He's that good of a guy. Yeah, I, he must be if he's hanging out with you. Right. Lucky, lucky man. Yeah. Well, lucky, <laughs> lucky you. Um, That's true. So, all right. So emotions and persuasion. You persuasion. and I were... You and I were just having a sales conversation as I'm moving into uh, a different sort of region of selling. And, you know, you brought up a really great point that that people buy based on their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we say buy, that's buying an idea or buying a product. So for our leaders out there, we're selling ideas all the time. So tell me a little bit more about that. Buying an idea or buying something based on emotions. Don't don't we buy, don't we make logical buying decisions? I try to. Isn't that cute that you're logical, Dave? Well, and you know the evidence better than I do, but what I've heard is that humans basically, yeah, sure, we make logical, we ask logical questions and we look for the features and what are we getting for our money, but really, I think that's just to justify the emotional decision we've already made. Yeah. And, you know, Ken, you're right. And obviously this is not news to me. Newsflash. Um, Hands right. Oh, that's not what you meant. Well, that's not a newsflash. You're right. Frequently. (laughs) The newsflash is that I actually know what I'm talking about, which is. That's That's always true. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) But, you know, if you think about it, And sort of situationally, how many times have you gone into buy something from somebody and you turn out, you're like, you don't like that salesperson, right? So there's no emotional connection. And you go, I'm not buying. Now, sure, it's trust and a lot of other things because you don't know that you're going to get, but it's the emotion is what triggered the decision. Mm -hmm. And then you justify it going, I don't trust this guy. Mm-hmm. Or I read something bad, or I heard something else. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe the opposite has happened to you where 
you heard something, but you know, it's the only game in town and you go in there and, and you, the reality, and you're like, Oh, I'm really comfortable, you know, where I'm really excited. Right. And he starts salivating, getting, Oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till I get my new Oculus quest home. 3d virtual reality. <laughs> and you know, I don't really work out a lot and they got some cool workout programs and mm-hmm. I'm going to be in better shape in a gym membership. What's it cost you? Like 25 to 50 bucks a month, depending on the gym says, so you know, and that's ongoing is three, four. I buy one Oculus quest. I'm set. That's a gym membership. Right. And I mean, gym memberships, another great thing. I ended up spending 60 bucks on a gym rather than 10 bucks at the planet fitness down the street because of the way I felt when I walked in the door. You know, I mean, it's the Maya Angelou quote. People won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. And it's the same thing in decision-making in sales. Absolutely. So we want our people to be emotional about their decision. Is that what you're saying? We, we want them to be in touch with the emotions that, the decision stirs up. So for example, you and I were talking about selling retreats and we, you you know, you were suggesting it's really important that they identify with the emotions of not getting the outcome they would get if they didn't come to the retreat. Did I use all my negatives and positives right there? I don't know. We've got to count them up and then, I know. If we're at one or zero, no, but like we need them to be in touch with what they want so much that if that thing that they're buying is the answer to that, that they're like, I've already decided I need that because that will solve the problem that I have, or I'm so excited about it in a positive way. And and let me, and and perhaps I didn't say this while we're having our conversation. It's not just have them in touch with it. Because I think we're always in touch with it, whether it's top of mind or not, right? We know, but we need them to articulate it out loud. We need them to share that emotion with us first. And that, that hits on many different levels. So one, once we say it, there's a magic, right? You know, there's a, I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy. I'm going to focus on the fantasy here and no, no surprise, right? You know, you Picture me as Conan the Barbarian, right? But one of the themes in fantasy writing is that names have power. If you know the real name of something, you gain power over it and make it do things you want it to do. And emotions have power. And when somebody articulates something out loud, it takes hold of their soul and it becomes real. They can fake it They can pretend it doesn't exist until they say it out loud. But the moment I say and acknowledge, I'm scared, right? You actually, not only is it real, but you actually gain power over it when you say it out loud. And this is what I say when when we're talking about leading through change and leading people through change. I always say, talk about the elephant in the room. Put it into words. What's uncomfortable? What's not working? What don't you like? Name those emotions So that you can, again, the elephant's not pushing you against the wall anymore. You're shrinking the elephant. Now we can grab it and do something with it. And I I just never made that connection to a sales and persuasion area. 
Right. So when if you're work, if I'm working with you and you're I'm a prospect of yours or I'm an employee or team member of yours and you're trying to persuade me to either buy something or do something and I'm afraid of it or I'm excited for it. Whichever one I say out loud becomes real. Now, what's interesting is if I'm afraid of it, it becomes less impactful. If I'm excited for it, it becomes more. Does that make sense? I don't know. So you're saying if they're afraid of not having it, that's more, that's less impactful than afraid than they're. Ex- <laughs> wow. I'm afraid I'm not being clear. <laughs> I'm afraid I just messed that all up. <laughs> so let's assume you're trying to convince me to a, a change in the way we operate in the business. Okay. And of course, I've been doing it the same way for 15 years now. And I'm afraid of this change, right? The fear is bigger inside me. As soon as I say it, it shrinks. Okay. Let's say I'm excited about the change. And now I articulate, oh, this is great. It actually, the excitement grows. Well, that makes sense because it's contagious. And as we were first talking about this, I was thinking about a, uh, when I went in to buy the computer that I bought, the young man that sold it to me was so excited about this new computer and the new features and everything. His passion, like you said, his excitement came out and it was contagious. It grew because it got me excited about it. And so I, I, I can completely understand that. Whereas with fear, as soon as you say it, you realize it's not as big. And if the other group isn't on board with the fear with you, it just kind of falls out of your mouth like, Mow. right. When you hear it, it takes on it's the reality and it's frequently, it, it's think of it like the fear is a shadow and shadows are typically bigger than the object that's casting them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And when you say it, you see the actual object, not the shadow, but while it's in you, it's the shadow. So what you're, I just made that that stuff up. That was pretty cool though. I was like, Whoa, Dave, you smart. I feel like I'm on mushrooms or something. (laughs) Are you microdosing? Because there are entrepreneurs all over the world that are microdosing, especially in Silicon Valley. Are, um, so what you're saying is inside me, but. So what you're saying is that we want, we rather better to get people excited about the outcomes that they'll get from this product rather than fear not getting the outcomes of having that product. Actually, no, I'm not suggesting either is better. I'm just, all I'm saying is that when you get somebody to articulate their fear, it's becomes smaller than they thought it was. And if on the other hand, what I, so you want them to tell you their legitimate, well, we haven't talked about the second value to this, but you want them to tell you the leg, their legitimate emotion, whether it's fear or, or excitement or whatever else it might be. But frankly, those are typically what we're talking about in one realm or form or another. If they're excited when they say it, they're going to get more excited. Things just become better out loud. I guess that's whatever it is, not bigger, but better. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so better for fear is less fear. Better for excitement is more excitement. Okay. That makes sense. And so, and, and so, and one of the things we were talking about was bringing out both of yeah. having them identify both. 
Well, so people only make changes and any, any sale or right. We're talking about the same thing. We're talking about a change, mm-hmm. right? And people only make change for two reasons. And there's only ever two reasons. They're either avoiding pain or seeking pleasure. They can either avoid pain in the present or the future, right? So insurance is avoiding pain in the future. Mm-hmm. We, we buy insurance because we go, if my house burns down, that's going to suck. And I can mitigate some of that pain. It's still going to suck, but it's going to suck even worse if I can't afford money. to replace it. Right. Right. Or, or all my possessions inside and all that. Right. So we buy insurance, car insurance, right? That's, a, that's, that's, that's preventing pain in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. On the other hand, my shoes are too small or they're worn out or, you know, and they're not the types that you could get the soles, whatever it might be. Right. They're not, or, or my pants are, I'm going to go with too big because I've lost weight as opposed to too small because I've gained weight. It doesn't matter either way. They're falling down or they're too tight. Right. And that, that's pain in the present where they're mm-hmm. older, they're shabby. Right. So, so we, or we're seeking pleasure again in the present or the future. Buying a vacation investing right. in a vacation home. Yeah. Right. Right. Or, or even the pants, maybe your motivation is I look better in better fitting pants. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so the same thing could people come at it from both ways of those two though, pain is the more powerful. Right. You will pull your hand off a hot plate faster than you're going to reach for a hot buttered scone. I don't know, Dave. My brother made some scones this last weekend. I was reaching for them real fast. And as fast as that was, it would nowhere near be as fast as it That's true. That's the hot plate. <laughs> right? When I when I got engaged and my parents were in and my future mother-in-law, you know, we had a barbecue and you know, I'm nervous. You know, not not like like nervous shaking nervous, but you know, it's and we were doing a barbecue. We were doing um, uh, shish kebab, and I got the metal rods on the barbecue. And I didn't think; I just grabbed the rod with my bare hand. I, that did not stay in my hand very long, right? right. And I remember it you know, over twenty-five years ago, and I remember it still. Right? Mm-hmm. That's pain. And so, if we get people to acknowledge their pain, right? That's powerful from a persuasion. So that, that's fear, pain and fear, are kind of this two, two, really the same thing. So if I'm trying to convince a uh, team member about a change I want to make, I need them to, uh, to uh, what, what is holding them back? Why don't they want to make this change? What is it they are afraid of? I had a customer service rep once who actually changed jobs. So she was working for me mm-hmm. and she put in for an internal transfer to be uh, um uh, sales assistant and she, the calendar system, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah because I switched s- systems and, and she was afraid that she was going to make a mistake. And I didn't articulate to her that I wasn't expecting perfection right away. You know, I expected it in a day or two, but not right away. No, I mean, I, I knew there was going to be mistakes, but we have to start using it to find what those mistakes are. And, and so it was my failure. There's another piece. If I share my pain with you or my fear or my emotions with you, what's that say about our relationship? There's trust there. Right. And who do we buy from? People we know, like, and trust. Right. 
So if somebody's not sharing that with you, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. Right. Right. So getting them to talk about their emotions is huge. So you're saying that the beginning of this conversation, when you weren't interested in talking about your emotions, that we hadn't built trust yet. <laughs> Do I trust you enough to answer that truthfully? <laughs> I, I refuse to answer that question on the grounds in my answer. But I mean, the reality is, um, let, let's go into some, you know, um, couples counseling. Um, but that's what that's all about, right? There's no trust there. I don't want to share with you you know, and, and for guys, we're not as bad today as my generation, but, you know, we've been socialized to not share. Well, and so, so what is the difference then between me saying to you, Dave, let's talk about our emotions. How do you feel today? Cause that is, that is <laughs> very different than specifically the, um, the emotions we're asking people to name in the persuasion scenario. I think the difference is, is just what you said, the scenario, right? If you, you know, come on, let's, right. What, what's my motive? Why would I share my emotions with you under that? Right. You know, I mean, doesn't advance the ball anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think there's very much difference even still today, you know, between what men and women um, process stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm about to say is not, hard and fast, right? Like every single guy is this way or every single girl is this way, right? That, but, but we have tendencies. Mm-hmm. And, well, and there are actually physiological brain differences. I've read a book called The Male Factor and it talks about physiological differences in the brain and some of the sizes of the structures of the brain that lead to diff, the different ways of dealing with things. And of course, every physiological is different, right? So, so everybody's gonna be on a different level of the spectrum, but in general, biologically, we have different physiologies. Right. I mean, everybody should know that. Um, although that's. Well, I mean, all- in the brain, the part you can't see. <laughs> but it all makes sense, right? The brain is a mirror of the rest of us. Right. Right. So if it doesn't get me anywhere, why would I just share? Right. Now, obviously, I mean, you and I are in a friendship relationship if this was. An intimate relationship like you have with Dan or like I have my wife with Kathleen, right? It, it advances that relationship. And so, you know, and it's private and like that. So that, that becomes a different dynamic. But if it's business, again, sales or leadership doesn't really matter if it's business and I'm trying to sell you something and I ask you, you know, I don't, we're, we're talking about your current situation. I say, well, how, you know, how do you feel about that? Right. Oh, I'm frustrated. Oh, tell me more. Right. If we've connected, then you're going to let all that out. And now that you're aware of it, if I, if my solution and you believe my solution will alleviate the emotion and I connect my solution to those emotions, you know, you're going to have a more likelihood than not of buying from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not only connecting the emotions to the product or the persu- you know, the, the scenario situation that I'm getting on board with or quote unquote buying, but also the emotions to the salesperson or the leader. Right. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, it, it's all of the above. By your sharing, you're telling me that you trust me, right? And you like me because you we don't like people we don't trust. Let's just be honest. We may think they're like likable. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean we like them. Mm-hmm. Right? I've met people, we've all met people who we go, you know, they're smooth, they're swarmy. That's the word we use, swarmy, you know. Swarmy. Yeah. You know, they, they seem gracious and all, but yeah, they just give me that heebie-jeebie. It's just something. Yep. Yeah. Well, and trust is the number one factor for leadership. So if we want to lead anybody, especially through something where we might need to persuade them, there needs to be that level of, all right, Dave, I don't know about this. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't not like it. I'm uncomfortable with it. And I trust you. So let's go. Sometimes that's all you can get from your teammates. Because from your team members. Yeah. I mean, excuse me. I tell people all the time, you know, you're in business leadership and this is strictly business. If you're Mm -hmm. a manager, right? So it's a democracy. And as the leader, you get 51% of the vote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you cast your vote last, so you've exhausted all the resources. We say, all right, we have this problem. This is the way I come at it. We have this problem. How are we going to solve it? Ideas, thoughts. Okay. And then you're, you're not just shooting them down. You're saying, okay, well, if we did that, this would be an issue. If we did that, the right. So, so you're helping them come up with this. And at the end of the day, they cannot. And I've had this happen where you go through that process. At the end of the day, none of their thoughts, because they just don't have the experience for whatever reason, come hit on a solution. And frequently I'll go in there with a solution in mind but it's, it stays in my hip pocket. Right. And then when we get to that point, I go, all right, guys, here's what I'm thinking. Break this one apart for me. And right then I have them do to me what I just did, did with them, you know, and, and assuming it, it's intact at the end of that process, I'm going, yeah, it's still, in my opinion, it's still the best solution around that we've come up with and we need to implement it. This assumes, you know, we, 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 we need to do something. And I go, all right, guys, I know it's not perfect, but this is how we're going to do. And then we'll roll with it. And because even if they don't agree with it, but because they trust me because of that process, they're going to buy into it. Right. And they had a voice. They feel like they had a little bit of control and people are much more likely to buy into ideas and processes and all of that change. If they feel like they had a chance to voice their ideas, their concerns, their challenges, even if the final outcome is different than they had put forward, they feel like they had a voice, it, they ownership increases. As long as that, there are times where their ideas are actually implemented, right? So I never would shoot down. I, I frankly, I loved just coming to them with them problems because I don't want to have to think of everything. I'm oh, to- oh, totally. Oh, and you want to talk about ownership skyrocketing, <laughs> use their ideas. Of course, yeah. all of this has to be genuine and make sense. And as we're talking about getting people to name emotions, that's another piece. This all has to be genuine, authentic, honest. You know, it has to be not a manipulative, like the holiday and vacation rental place guy that called me the other day. And man, he was trying to so hard to get me to buy this timeshare thing. And he played on every emotion. And it was fun to kind of step out of my emotional brain and watch it all happening because it was very manipulative. It was very like, 
you feel this way, you know, you want this, you feel this, oh, let's get you to buy a red car. You know, like it was, it wasn't authentic. I didn't trust him. And, and, and so this is the difference as we're genuinely trying to build long-term relationships as leaders or salespeople, getting people to name their emotions in relation to the situation has to be genuinely caring about them, not caring about the outcome of them buying your thing. Right. And you, you and I have talked about this in relation to our respective businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to be detached from the outcome. Right. Completely. The outcome will be, and and if you've got a good business, you're providing a good solution that people actually need. Then you provide it to the people who actually need it, who connect with you. And those where it's, doesn't connect you don't want them as clients anyway and feel good for them that they at worst found a solution didn't work that they could cross off their list and of course if you can you know take a page out of uh, miracle on 34th street and refer them to gimbals even if you work for me right Right. Send them down the street i love you know i love referring other speakers to my clients because then when they need somebody that talks about change, that's super perky little redhead, they're going to be like, you know what? We didn't use Ann Bonnie that one time. She was super helpful. I remember her. She helped us solve a problem by giving the money to somebody else. I become, I stay top of mind. Absolutely. And yeah. You're not little. Um, <laughs> hey, oh, the pandemic was good to me. <laughs> oh, I don't mean that way. I'm having emotional attachment to buying new pants, <laughs> trying to avoid pain. So I'm drinking a lot of water instead of Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I cut the pop as you folks in Michigan call it yep. out of my diet a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm you curious. lost all that pandemic weight. I found it. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am curious if you've learned to drink Verner's living out there. You know what? Dan loves it. And I just can't. It's not good. Was he born there? <laughs> he was born in Michigan. Yes. Th- that's it. Because my wife's the same way. And, and yep. like her, her mom, who was born in, in, in New York, so would say all the time, it's, if you're not born to it, you're never going to like it. And yeah, I can't yeah. stand it myself. And I genuinely don't drink pop anyway. So I was joking about that. But uh, I think it was the wine that got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bubbly wine. That's sort of like pop, right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, right. I was celebrating the pandemic the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, any last word you want to add to our emotional outburst? Well, you know, I think I think one of the big pieces, Dave, is genuinely trying to get to know your client or who the people you're leading, whatever the case is, getting to know their emotions isn't about saying, how do you feel? It's about caring about them and where they are with a situation. And if you approach it that way, rather than thinking, I have to get them to name their feelings, it becomes a lot less kind of icky and goopy and smarmy feeling. Um, Cause that's one of the things I'm, I'm working on in the sales process. Absolutely. And you know, you, you, intimated something when you're talking about the timeshare guy on the phone right <laughs> who inferring from your description was trying to put your emotions on you mm-hmm. we're not talking about that 
Right. We're talking about somebody and the more spontaneous, the better. Right. Yeah, so, you know, that's why I think I told you um, when we were working before this recording, my one of my favorite questions is just tell me more about that. Right. And if they don't get to emotions, then you haven't connected with them. It's just that simple. And that just tells you to step back because that's what you need them to do. And they're not going to buy from you. And if you never get there, you're not a good fit. Yep. And that's another great thing to think too, is, is sometimes they're not the right person to buy your thing, your idea, your product, whatever your service. Yeah. It's, it's a little more challenging in leadership sometimes if you need a change to be made. Right. And, you know, we talked about some ways to do that, right. Which is, you know, lay out your case for the change, why it's important, why it's needed. And they may not get it, but lay it out for them anyway. And at some point you are make occasionally, you may have to say, well, look guys, this has got to be, and I, uh, and acknowledge, I understand you don't know why that nothing I'm saying is making sense. I hear you. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then again, that's where that feeling good about you and they could say, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't get it. I don't think it's going to work. And I trust you. So if you think this is going to work, you're buying the beers when it doesn't. You got it, Ann. (laughs) Wow. Well, another great show. And uh, thank you again for filling in folks. If you want to uh, get a hold of Ann, she is, she is the most comfortable with this comfort of anybody I've ever seen. So I do it on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. So if you're challenged at all and you, you know, you, you, you're looking to make a change and you're just afraid uh, or fearful or wh- whatever it may be, but you're just frozen in place. Um, Igniteyourpassion.com. I'll go buy that after the show. Yeah. And Bonnie.com will do or yourchangespeaker.com. <laughs> well, you know, in the show notes, I'm, uh, there's something, Ignite Your Something is, keep, I always put it in. Igniting your, cur- yeah, Ignite Your Courage. Ignite Your Courage. Ignite Your Courage. Right. There we go. Thank you. I bought all the URLs, so they all go to the same place. Right. And if you really want a fun one, andbonnie.ninja will get you to my website as well. Well, what's so funny is that's the one I remember. I put that in and then it right it, it redirects to right. uh, Ignite Your Courage. And I'm yep. like, that's the one I'm going to copy and put in the show notes. Awesome. And if you need your people to be held more accountable and understand what you can do as a leader to do that, Dave is your guy locked on leadership is the place to go. Get the book. Don't miss out. All right. And thanks. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Dave. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.